Welcome to the third half. It's football this week, but there's a bit of camogie thrown in as well. But a busy week as the Little Ladies National Football League minutes return. I'm Darren Kelly, joined by my partner in crime in more ways than one this week, Neve Kendlin. Hello, Darren. Hi, how are you? Long I'm good, Neve. It's been a while, actually. <laughs> Just in case what you're wondering about, if you've gotten the LGV streaming service, and if you haven't, you should, but if you have and you were following Kevin and Monaghan, you might recognise the two voices in the commentary box today. That's the only clue that you're getting. We will be talking about a lot of matches too, but we we got a treat of a game between Kevin and Monaghan. We certainly did, Darren, yeah. And obviously, as a, as a Monaghan person, I'm obviously very happy with the final result. But yeah, it definitely was a... An intriguing match, and it gave us um, an exciting, you know, give us, uh, I suppose, left us thinking right till the end. I suppose for a long time it looked like it was possibly going to be a draw, and um, obviously, as I said, I'm delighted with the with the result at the end. I can tell you, her Neve is smiling away. I might even use this video clip, which goes for, <laughs> for social media for the show. But uh, Kevin against Monaghan, one of three featured games we had in Sports Stars this week. All be up today. Kevin against Monaghan, Kerry against Tipperary, and Wexford against Kildare in Division Three. Neve, we'll talk football in a few minutes. Let's go back to a couple of the talking points. And of course, it was the big one when we talked about in full detail on the midweek show integration. I don't think it's any secret that the Camogie Association are in favour of it. Um, especially when you have uh, their president, Hilla Breslin, retweeting it. Football players seem to be in favour of it. I don't think as many LGFA administrators or, or volunteers are. Uh, we've had our thoughts on it already, but it's certainly now going to be dominant uh, between now and the GA Congress at the very least. Yeah, definitely will, Darren. Um, yeah, as you said, you know, I suppose that we did talk last week that we expected or we suspected that, that the LGFA weren't, you know, what, not that they weren't in favour in totally, but, you know, they probably want more discussion around it. Um, and then obviously the players, we know 97% of them have, have backed it. So, you know, it is, it's, it is a tough one. Um, you know, I suppose we'll know better in, in the next couple of weeks now and, and leading up into Congress. I was having a thought in the car on my way to the match we were at on Sunday between Kevin and Monaghan. Now, of course, Nadine Doherty and Carla Rohr are two players that come out. And I think every single ladies football player and Camogie player for that matter that does any form of press between now and the end of the month are going to be asked that question rather than the match that they should be asked about in the first place. But my feeling was... I think it's a good move with the Camogie Association. Now, I express my reserves in it too, reservations on it. I think there's an awful lot to be dealt with at local level first. Killian seemed to be in favour of it on the Camogie show. Can it work? Or can it work any better if the Camogie Association do join the GEA, but the LGFA don't? <laughs> God, it, it's... Well, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's hard to know, Darren. Like, I mean... You'd imagine, like, I think that would be, that wouldn't show much unity if that did happen. Because I think, you know, you, you want all the women's sports, if it's going to happen, you want it all to happen at one time. But as we've said, like, it, there's no point rushing into it. I know it's something that's been discussed, but it has to go across the board um, at, 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 at grassroots level too. It has to, everyone has to back it and has to go, you know, the right way. We want it to happen and not, you know, not, you know, not to be half-heartedly happen and then maybe it fall apart then in a year or two. So it needs to all be at everyone behind it. And that includes both the Camogie and the LGFA. And I think it'd be a bad move if that did happen. Yeah, uh, the LGFA obviously have built their own thing as well. But I suppose the other points have been pushed. Like there's people sending us points and, and thoughts on both sides of it. They just look at the example of women's soccer. You know, getting together now, but it took its time. Uh, women's rugby, well, look, we could do a whole podcast just talking about the problems they've had recently as well. So, again, there's no guarantee even if they did join together it would work. So, again, as you said, a lot has to be looked at. It's not just about everybody going to Congress and saying, yay, we're, we're all up for this. You know, it's not going to fix all the problems. No, it's not, Darren. And I mean, even if it does, ever, as you said, everyone says, yeah, and we're looking like it's happening. And that's only, it. you know, it, it, if it comes in, it comes in across the board. So, it goes to grassroots and, and club level. And, you know, and I mean, that it mightn't be possible at, at some points at that level and it might that might change things for the you know for clubs around the country you know dual clubs and stuff so it's just you know it is uh, it's not just straightforward and I think really for it to be done right it has to be sat down and we've said on several occasions over the last couple of um, you know over the last since we've started these podcasts about you know the, the three associations sitting down and talking I know we've talked with the Camogie and the LGFA having to sit down for problems that they have. But, you know, if, if all three sit down and iron out whatever potential problems could happen, then, you know, you can feel that it, it could be successful. But to do it, you know, on a whim now and maybe it not ironed out, it, 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 it might not work. Final one to ask. 
and you just touched on something there. Camogie in the LGFA, <laughs> like two squabbling sisters of the best of days anyway. Um, do they need to sit down and talk first before even we start talking about joining in with the GA? Yeah, I think so. I think like, I mean, we've, we've highlighted several problems that's been in, in between those two sports over the last while. And, you know, if, if they can't agree, how is and add another, you know, and obviously the higher body, if you like, you know, I mean, the, the GE obviously in existence much longer. And then, you know, they obviously, so if you add them into the equation, then how is three things going to pull if they're all pulling separate ways? So if the, if the two, I suppose, as you said, if the Camogie and LGBT can get, you know, them on the same page and then it, it could, the, the transition then could be much more seamless. Because you would get the feeling if this did happen, it won't happen this year. I think we're all realistic on this. If it did happen, like there's going to be a, a ladies' football committee, you'd imagine. There's going to be a camogie committee, so they still have to iron out all these differences, especially. And again, the biggest problem I think we, we did there was many problems at national level last year, barring the league maybe, but at local level, like you know, if if groups and we often see this happen with hurling and football as well in the men's side of things is that uh, the groups still have to be able to work together like because the more issues with the exception of what happened in Crow Park in December 2020 more of the issues are about uh, local championships local competitions and ironing that out the players get an opportunity to represent their club in both camogie and football Yeah that's the thing and you know it, you know, if this comes in as a rule in Congress and it's passed you know, it, it, it happens across the board. And I mean, that's where the, you know, as you said, you know, you might get it working at inter-county level. And I mean, even at that, we haven't seen that really working that well at times. And it has to work across the board. And, you know, it's something that, as I said, it, it, it's something that definitely down the line is something that can happen. But it's, you know, I suppose maybe that I would feel that maybe the, the vote from Congress, it's something that might put a timeline on it and maybe say this is something to happen within the next, you know, and maybe set it down at the timeline and maybe then, it might sort of push people. I don't, as you said, it's not going to happen, you know, this year. It's not going to happen overnight. But maybe if they put a timeline on it and vote on a certain year, say, you know, twenty five or twenty six, that it's all ironed out. That then maybe that's more realistic. I gave myself a five minute time limit discussing this because we could go on for the whole show talking about this. And I have a funny feeling this is not the last time we're going to talk about this this month, let alone down the line as well. But it will keep coming up until this vote takes place. We see what happens with the Congresses of the uh, other respective parties as well. Um, one other thing I want to mention, Volunteers of the Year were announced this week, presented this week. Uh, some great award winners. We don't have time to go through them all now. But uh, Kathleen Kareevi from the Marinoak in Dublin is the overall volunteer Volunteer of the Year and wins the Lulu Carroll Award. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's a, it's a brilliant um, initiative again by the LGFA and they, they've come up with so many brilliant ones. But this is lovely to, you know, to give something back to the brilliant volunteers at all, them, all the different um, areas in, in our sport. And, um, you know, Catherine Corrivi, a very popular and very deserving recipient of the award, um, you know, when her, her daughter Orla played um, many a year ago back um, with, with Dublin. And I mean, she has still stayed involved. Orla's long retired and She's still very much involved. And I mean, it, in the little VT that they showed, you know, the different Dublin players all talked like she's the mommy, she remembers all the birthdays. So she very deserving and he does much more above and beyond her assistant secretary and female liaison officer with the team. So um, a very uh, worthy recipient. Well done, Kathleen. So what you're saying, she's responsible for all the dominance. <laughs> yeah, maybe she, but sometimes Darren, it's funny, like, you know, it's those little things that add. I mean, I heard Carla Rose saying, um, you know, she remembers everyone's birthday and those little things, no matter if they're the top player down to the, you know, the 35th player on, on the panel. So, I mean, little things like that, you know, she remembers and that makes that that unity and that them, them gel together as well. Congratulations, Kathleen, overall winner. I said, I don't have time to go through them all, but I want to give a mention out first to Derek Lynch and Claire Femme, who won the uh, Journalist of the Year Award. I know Derek puts a lot of work and passion into all things in Claire's sport. And to Mary Hernan as well from Galway, who went into the Hall of Fame. Mary was actually the person that nominated me for the Journalist of the Year Award in 2019 that actually led to me winning it overall. And I, I know in Galway and Connacht, she put so much work into uh, ladies' football as well. It's her passion and well-liked and all that. And a very deserving winner, a very deserving inductee I should say, going into the Hall of Fame Oh yeah, definitely so, and I mean that's the thing you know, it's such a, a brilliant awards ceremony and it's so important that those players, or those, sorry, those people and you know those volunteers are, are remembered and the great work they do and, and of course journalists, because after, without them uh, we wouldn't be um, raising the profile and continuing to, to um, raise the profile of the, of the, the game 
Well done to all the award winners. They're all up in sportsdance.ie as well. But as Neve said, we're going to be here to talk about football as well. That's why we're all in this together at the end of the day. It's all about the matches. Intercounty is back, Neve. Um, good job we're doing a third half this week. I think we find it impossible to fit everything into sportsdance football during the week as well. Is there anything, Bar Monaghan beating Gavin? Is there anything <laughs> that stands out in your head as a moment of the weekend? Um, well, I suppose, I mean, I, I got most of my predictions wrong. I obviously predicted Cork to, to beat me. Then I was wrong at that one. I was fortunate enough to be at that match um, on, on yesterday, on Saturday. And, um, you know, it was, it was an interesting match. And I suppose a lot of questions asked of me, um, you know, would, was it last year a flash in the pan? And you know, the first time up in Division 1 since 2014. But they certainly didn't disappoint. And the large, large, large crowd that, crowd that was in um, Park Salton on, on Saturday really were um, uh, very delighted with the final result. So we're going to kick off then with Division 1B. Now, just to let you know, I mentioned the sprinkle of Camogie to start. Killian Whelan will be with us in the wild to talk about the Ashburn and the Purcell Cups that also took place on Sunday as well. DCU, uh, champions of the Ashburn Cup for the first time ever as well. That's coming up in the second part of the show. And we will deal with Division 1A in the third part of the show, uh, focusing in on our featured match this week, Donegal against Galway, which is also the live game on TG Car. But Neve, let's go to Port Taltine, as you were mentioning there. You were, you were there to see it. I don't think there's anything like the All-Ireland Champions first game of a new year and I think as you said there the atmosphere matched it in Evan. Oh it really did and they had you know they had the Brendan Martin Cup there and they had an opportunity a photo op for any of the, the, the young fans and there was loads of them there um, to get an opportunity to get take pictures with the Cup before the match you know Cork, Julie um, which they have received on, on being recipients of it for so many years um, you know clapped Mead onto the field and you know they got a, a massive reception Mead when they, they entered the field and yeah it was really was a, a wasn't an absolute standout match, but it was left as an, in guessing and intriguing to the end. And as I said, Mead um, were worthy winners, but also Mead, you know, I suppose are um, backing up that the last year was not a, back, a flash in the pan. Yeah, and they proved it over the course of the game as well. Just starting with Cork first, I got a chance to watch it, watch most of it anyway, before I headed off to Bally Buffet. Uh, Shane Ronin in, he's always more Abbey contingent, a few players out there as well. Looking, experiment with game plans, they were saying, look, when you when you talk about experimenting with game plans against Mead, you're talking about two players in particular, Vicky Wall and Emma Duggan, and he did his best to keep them under wraps. Yeah, he really did. And it was a, an intriguing battle between um, Vicky Wall and Eric O'Shea, two all-stars, obviously. And, you know, they really had, they, you know, it was probably, I think, maybe over the hour was a very even contest. Um, you know, there was passages of play where both players were, were very influential for their counties. But, yeah, um, I thought probably by, I suppose, Emma Duggan's standards, she was probably had a relatively quiet match, obviously scoring the goal. And, uh, you know, anyone that saw the saw the live stream would have saw the goal that she scored and a very some very quick thinking by Stacey Grimes. But, yeah, um, you know, and, and that's a compliment to, as you said, um, Shane Ronan and his backroom team. They obviously uh, really needed to to do a job on, on Emma and, and Vicky and, and they certainly um, for long periods of the game did, did on Emma. It wasn't the difference between the teams, but I counted a few steps myself and Emma's goal. Yeah, well, when I saw the game live, um, I probably didn't notice it much because, you know, Stacey, as I said, Stacey Graham's quick thinking from a free, saw the run of Emma Duggan and, and popped the pass through. Um, you know, it's probably when I looked the back, I think she probably got a little hand of a, of a sort of a tackle and maybe the referee gave her the benefit of the doubt on that front. But yeah, probably when you look back at it, and I know there was a lot of um, conversation on social media last night about the, the amount of steps and, and maybe not too happy with the referee at some of, the, some of his decisions. What impressed me though about me is how they responded. They were leading for most of the match, then Cork got a goal to go in front. And you know, Cork teams of old, as you know yourself, were just belt on from there. Now this is the dynamics have shifted a bit now. But Mead hit back not just that goal, but also the second goal. Well, the serving or the Lally finishing it off as well. And like me, put themselves out of sight and probably should have put this game to bed. Yeah, they should have. And you know, you said that you know Mead were six four up at half time, two points up and. It nearly took Cork to score that goal after half time to really kick me back into gear because I found like the, there was a very strong breeze um, playing uh, played and, and Meath had the breeze in the first half and they sort of played a very defensive role and I know we've we've been you know that's what we've got used to watching that game plan to have and that plan but I felt at times you know they, they took them maybe two two minutes two three minutes to get the ball out of their own from from a Monica McGurk kick out it took them those two or three minutes to get the ball you know even near midfield and I. I thought their, their build-up was quite slow and the hard to get that at times. But in fairness, as, as we do know, they have a plan and, uh, you know, the wind or the elements was not going to change their plan. And, you know, I suppose overall it, it, it worked out for them. 
Neve, you were the first person in the country last year to out the Mead system. I think it was the game against our man, the quarterfinal. We've seen a lot of counties attempt to do their version of the Mead system over the weekend. We have, yeah, Darren, definitely. There's obviously um, a lot of teams have sat down and looked at um, Eamon Murray's game plan and their, their side's plan and their their, their quest last year to um, or their, their journey last year, shall we say. And yeah, they, they've definitely tried to emulate it, but you know, as I said, Mead have that system and, you know, they've tweaked things around a wee bit. Um, you know, Emma Troy has moved from a cornerback position now into a centre-back position and she um, was really influential in the match and, you know, she, you know, we've seen her so many times. She came up last year and scored the two points in the in the final from cornerback, but, you know, she really um, dictated the whole sort of pace of the game from her centre-back role. Cork lost the game in the end. They did get the last three points, but they have lost the game. We know like the tr- three top-ranked teams and sports stars are in this group. Cork are going to Crow Park next week. I don't understand how you could have a team playing two away matches at the start, but that's a conversation for another day. And like it's it, in regards to their league ambitions, and Cork have always taken the league seriously. Uh, it's um, you do a die match for Cork. Yeah, it is a do or die match. I think you know, I, I you know, watching Shane Ronan after the match, um, you know, he used nine, eight substitutes in the game. Um, and, you know, he would have, as much as he wanted the results, you could see he was definitely trying out players. Obviously, as you said, we have the, the more Abbey players to come back. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to be back for next week's game. Um, but, you know, Cork getting the Crow, you know, back in Crow Park Day and against, you know, the old rivals, Dublin, they won't want it. And as you said, they can't afford to lose the match, never mind not wanting to lose it um, in the in the, in the the hallowed ground of Crow Park. But they won't, they, they'll be under pressure if they do. Under pressure, Dublin uh, on Sunday beat Waterford 4-7 to 1-4. A few changes, understandably, from the All-Ireland final team. I think five were down to start the match that started against Mead and Crow Park as well. But as we often say about this Dublin team, it doesn't weaken them that much. No, it really doesn't. And, you know, they have that conveyor belt of players to get, to come in. And, you know, they they, they, um, they they did step up to the mark and got the scores when needed. Um, you know, yeah, 4-7. suppose he'd be a wee bit disappointed, Grand getting four goals. But, you know... I suppose eleven scores um, over the course of the hour of football, and I mean, he, I'm sure that they had some missed opportunities, and you know, maybe taking the wrong option at times. But um, you know, he'd still be happy. Eight different scores over the over the match, and um, you know, they, they got the job done in, in Waterford's back garden. Yeah, and four different goal scorers as well. Quivo O'Connor got one one. You have Jennifer Dunn, Siobhan Killeen, and Hannah Lee, and I think two of them came off the bench as well. So, like, even though he's missing the best part of ten of his regular crew this year, he still had options on the bench to come on to do damage as well. And like, obviously, with Dublin, when you lose your title, you want to win it back, and they'll be determined to leave no stone unturned to do that. Yeah, definitely. So, and I mean, Mark De Bourne, the the captain, was was interviewed after the match, and you know she's very much evident that they want to get back up to winning ways, and you know you can sense sense the hurt they have from last year's All Ireland loss. So they want to get back up, and you know obviously the stepping stone of that is is having a good league campaign and getting back up to maybe you know to win in the league for them. You know it's something that they haven't won too many of, so they want to get back up there and be at the top of the table again. I haven't seen the game because obviously there was a lot of games on Sunday yet. But Martin Burns in played in centre back as well, so like a bit of experimentation going on there. Yeah, and that's the the beauty. And I, I've been saying this for so long since since the LGFA took in the brilliant rule of unlimited subs for the league. You know, I, I think it's it's a great opportunity for for managers, new managers, or or existing managers that have been there for a couple of years to try out new players and you know and and give subs a proper opportunity and. That's why, you know, just go back to Shane Ronan. He used all eight subs and he used them, you know, um, he used them sort of all area in the second half. And that's important to do that, to give players a chance. No point running subs in. And, you know, like that, um, Mick Bohan did the same. He used, as I said, I think he used um, seven subs during the match and he used them all right after halftime and, you know, in, in the couple of minutes after halftime. And that's the, you need, if you want new players, you want them to, to gel and integrate with, the, with a team, you need to give them the proper opportunity. And, and, and they did that. Waterford, again, can't land a glove on Dublin. Uh, was it nine, 12 points between them at the end of the game? Like, it's very worrying for Waterford in regards to trying to survive in Division 1. Yeah, it really is, um, Darren. You know, five scores over the course of the hour. It was, it was a very dis- disappointing return. They had, I suppose, a little bit of a, well, I wouldn't call it, a, a, I suppose, a bit of a purple spell in the third quarter where they sort of dominated, but they didn't get it on the, much on the score sheet. Um, so, yeah, you'd be very disappointed Um and you know they have they go to um to obviously to the Mead game now play Mead next so they'll have a, a tough task to try and um, stay at Division One. 
Yeah, like if, as I say, we'll, we'll talk about the um, potential relegation the final opponents when we do the other group later on too, but uh, Waterford definitely up against it in this group of four that we hope is the last time we have this anytime soon. Let's have a look at Division 2, Neve. Um, we'll start with Division 2A, just the way they're written here in front of me. Of course, Kerry and Tipperary, you can get report and reaction on sportsstats.ie today. Kerry got the job done, four points between them, Louise and Mahertig with eight of them. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like as much as we um, we'll speak about her after, but you know, uh, Jeremy McLaughlin too. Like you know, big names getting the scores and getting on the score sheet. You know, um, you know, and, and Louise doing what she does best. And I suppose, uh, you know, going forward for for the likes of Kerry and for any of these teams, that's very dependent on one player. They, they need to try and get the, the scoring around to other team, the other team, and um, the other forwards as well. Need to be sort of you know helping. It's very limited when you see only one one or two different scores in, in for one for any team. With a few entertaining games this week, I tell you, there was certainly entertainment in Cretchard. Uh, Leash uh, beating Clare 2-12 to 2-7. Fidelma Marinan scores two goals as Clare go 2-2 to no score in front, but they just got completely outplayed afterwards. Mo Nerney getting 2-5 and Leash newly promoted, starting off Division 2 with a win. Yeah, that's a you know, great result for Leash. And, you know, I mean, you know, Leash have a great history at, at, with ladies football, obviously, and you know they have fallen down the ranks over the last number of years and I mean you know obviously getting out of Division 3 that was their first task last year and now you know it's a great start to Division Division 2 to get a, a you know and we talked about how important the first first day out is to get a result and that's a great booster for Leash and, for, and to get that big result over Clare could be the tide could be turning in leash football again. It'll be good to see if that happens in Division Two B. Uh, well, Armagh have been put down as one of the favourites in this division to get promoted. Well, they certainly started off as they planned to continue. I think it was Quiva um, Marley, Eva McCoy, and uh, Lee Mackin from a penalty, or Amy Mackin from a penalty. Sorry. Um, giving them three goals at the start of the game. Neve Breel and Blahan Mackin getting two more as well. Jerome never stood a chance. Five nine to one ten and finish for Armagh. Yeah, and by all accounts, Darren, it could have been a lot more, only for some, you know, poor shot selection and, and some poor handling mistakes by Arma. I think the score could have been doubled that again. But yeah, it, you know, again, it's a, it's a, it's a, a sort of tough spill, uh, pill to swallow for Tyrone again. Another heavy defeat, um, and you know, it's going to leave them in a, you know, it's a great confidence booster again for for Arma. And that a few, um, you know, a couple of girls that's kind of back into the into the panel that really stood out today. Um, who I was looking at there that. Um, Coach Toey, um, a player that was with them a couple of years ago and, and couldn't commit, and she's back committing now after being featured in studies in, in Galway. So she had a great game today. And Aoife McCoy wasn't due to start, did start and covered a mountain of ground. So, you know, there's the players that they've got a few new girls coming in. And obviously, um, Caroline O'Hanlon on the bench, you know, so it's a real, uh, Arma's in a really good place at the moment. And unfortunately, Thrones on, on the other side of that are completely. I think Armagh will be taking the league very, very seriously this year. The game we were at again, you can get a report and reaction on Sports Stars today. Monin against Cavan. I won't go as far as say controversial finish, but it was certainly one or two talking points. Yeah, there certainly was. Um, yeah, it, you know, I suppose uh, I, I know um, the the uh, Cavan Terry Moan is not too happy with a with a decision towards the end of the game. Um, obviously, us being at it live and, and seeing it in live time, we we felt there wasn't much in it. It was a, a ball, a long ball. The, the game was a draw at the time, and a long ball into Sheridan Sheridan full forward and Jennifer Duffy, you know, got a hand in, and the, the crowd around us and obviously Jerry Moan and everyone else from Calvin felt that it should have been a free, the referee way of play on, and it was the ball went down the field, and one thing led to another. Mohan got a free, and Jody McQuillan made no mistake to make it our sixth free in the match and um, kicked the win for Monaghan. She had a busy afternoon. She had a yellow card, as did Emer, uh, Emer Trainer as well. And Monin played 20 minutes of this match with just 14 players. Cavan had come back from behind to get their noses in front. We thought they were going to get the job done, but I think they ultimately paid for, and I said it in the commentary, for being too casual in the first half against a young, inexperienced Monaghan team that took advantage of that and stood up. Yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell, Darren. That's exactly what happened. Um, and maybe there was an element, like, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Monaghan at the moment. You know, we were late getting the management in place. There's, you know, we talked about, you named the players in the commentary, the McInespies, Ellen McCarron, the, you know, the Cora Courtney, um, Laura McKinney, the players. And we, saw some of them, we saw some of them today, sorry for Cudini. We saw some of them today watching the match. At the match, is right. And Edel Corrigan is such an experienced goalkeeper. And, um, you know, and I think maybe, you know, there's a lot of talk about that. And I mean, obviously being neighbouring counties, you know, Teams talk, players talk, um, and you know the rumor was out that maybe Monaghan was going to be at a, at a low ebb. And I mean, 
hand on heart, I think there was a lot of modern supporters who would have possibly felt the same way. We felt that maybe it was a step too far for a very young side um, against a Calvin team that had 11, 12 players that started the championship match last year between the same two sides. But um, in fairness, the modern players from the, from the get-go, they... You know, they really were very tigers and very hungry for the match. And, and I mean, you know, I was so impressed at times that turned over ball and put really big pressure on Cavan. And, you know, we, we mentioned in the commentary, Orna Kelly, you know, 16 years of age, um, was under 16 last year, won an Ulster title with Monaghan. And, you know, she stepped up, wasn't named to start, but stepped up in goals and I mean, had a couple of saves um, and her kickouts were very good. And, you know, that, that it, all those little things, and it gives such confidence to Monaghan going forward for the next um, the next game. Because even as you mentioned Orna, Ke- Orna Kelly and delighted to hear her mentioned as well because Cavan had a few goal chances in like 20 seconds in we thought Geraldine Sheridan was going to bang the ball into the back of the net. Yeah, well I said in commentary about the crossbar and the post being getting player of the match because Cavan hit, it, um, hit the crossbar as you said in, within 20 seconds and then later on uh, Orna Kelly had, had you know put the ball off the crossbar and then they hit the post um, from a free later on. So there was definitely stage and as you said like they only kicked five or six wides maybe in the game, a couple short into the keeper's hands and then, as I said, the crossbar and that. But, you know, you, you said it in commentary and you said it again there, Darren. You know, um, they were just lax daisy and I just think maybe they felt like, you know, that this modern team is, oh, we just have to turn up. But there was a sense of that about them and when they did get their tails in front in the 51st minute, they went two points up from a, a couple of good frees and, you know, sort of the first time in the match they got two back-to-back scores. Um, then maybe it looked like this, I think they kicked the next two wides after that and then maybe they just maybe thought oh, listen, we've done enough now and in fairness and that's why I was again so impressed by Monaghan they, they stepped up and you know I, you know, Merrin Atkinson Rosie Courtney um, and uh, Casey Trainer, who you know won a couple of really vital frees and I mean Jodie obviously the star of the show and I just want to say about Jodie McQuillan I think she's coming 20 this year but when she was a minor um, an 18-year-old, uh, her club was in a Division One championship final in 2020. It was actually the game was streamed, and it went to it went to a draw, it went to extra time, and it went to kickouts or shootouts. And Jodie scored the winning point for Blaney. So I mean, she's really, she's really at a young age has been involved in some pressure kicks, and you know she proved it today. And that really was a pressure kick um, for a young girl, and she took it very well. I think it was the last two were, were, were great kicks from Jody McQuillan and Monaghan gets a spoils. Good start for Kieran Kearns' win as manager. Division 3, uh, run through the results first. Down 4-10, Roscommon 4-9, Sligo 1-10, Loud 1-10, Kildare 3-11, Wexford 8 points, Longford 1-18, Wicklow 1-12. Eve, the one I look at straight away, Kildare beating Wexford 3-11 to 8 points. You know, that that was one I, I you know, I, I predicted that maybe Wexford were going to be, you know, on the back of their, their Great All-Ireland um, run last year. I thought maybe they might be um, up there. But yeah, Kildare looking very, very strong and 3-11 is a great scoring in a match. And, you know, um, it'll be very disappointing for, for Wexford and, and, and Lizzie Kent. Yeah, uh, Wexford just don't like playing Sean Finnegan teams. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, that's right. So that's a great result, is right. I forgot about that with Sean. Um, his first his first win with, with Kildare as well after leaving Westmead. Down Ross Common sounds like a high scoring thriller. Like how often do you score four nine in February and lose a match? Yeah, that's it. That was really and that group looks really really tight. And um, well, obviously the other game going to a draw as well. So yeah, um, you know down have you know we've saw glimpses of what Down can do last year and you know I suppose they've. Um, they, you know, they, they got the win, and I mean, in, in those this time of the year and those tight games, it, it's great to get come out on top and get the results, especially in a tight one like that. And even just before I leave Division Three, I had to double check it too during the commentary today. Extra time gone for group matches, thankfully. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely and nobody in Monaghan will, everyone in Monaghan will be delighted with that. But yeah, um, it's funny, and I'm glad you checked it out while we were talking because obviously the game we were at, it was looking like it was going to go to a draw as well but it's good um, it, it makes more sense that it's it's. want to make dinner plans Steve yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's right Darren yeah that's Division 3 quickly Division 4 um, uh, 4B first Offaly 315 Carlo 7 points Limerick 29 London 9 points Division 3A or 4A sorry Antrim 216 Derry 1-8 and a result that really caught my attention Leitrim 418 for Mana 1-6 God, like, yeah, that's that's a big a big shock, and I mean, um, Fermanagh is a team that's you know <laughs> they've been such a, a topsy turvy type of team over the years, and I mean that's a that's a real blunt um, welcome to to twenty twenty two for them, and I mean a massive result and a massive scoring like for this time of the year four eighteen from Leitrim. 
Fermanagh are just on a losing run at the moment. I can't remember the last time they won a match opposite the 2020 All Ireland Junior Final is probably the answer to that. I, I would have probably fancied Leitrim to do the job, but a margin like that, certainly 21 points, I did not see. And that's the thing, like, you know, it, it, this is, you know, the way the league is so tight and, you know, it, you know, games, a big loss like that can be, have a really big effect. And we mentioned Tyrone before this, you know, teams that got, you know, really hammered today. It's very hard, you know, because it's, it's still so early in the year and it's very hard to get a hammer like that and try and lift yourself up when you've got no time, like you're out again next weekend, so you've got no time to, to sit back on your laurels. All the results are up in sports, as you see. Plenty to talk about. We still have two games to go up. But Seven E will take a break at the moment. Well, Neve will anyway. Because coming up after the break, Killian Whelan is with us to look back at the Ashburn and Purcell Cup finals, the college season coming to an end in Camogie. We've that after the break. And then later on, we'll be back to talk about Division 1A and the featured match live in television between Donegal and Galway. I like listening sports, as because I like to listen to... Ladies football and ladies camogie. Welcome back here to the third half, and we're said a bit of camogie earlier on, and we do. Killian's with us. Hi, Killian. How are you doing, Darren? Good form there now as well. You had a very, very busy day on Sunday down in WIT Arena. Two big finals, and DCU are Ashburn Cup champions for the first time ever. Yeah, I labelled them as the the golden horde uh, because the, the, with the mass of them running across the field when they celebrated at the end, it was uh, reminiscent of of I would imagine the, the battle that was happened in Mongol with the golden horde as they were referred to back back a long time ago now. But uh, yeah, it was fascinating to watch uh, celebrations. I would imagine going on long into the night in DCU with the achievement that they've uh, won their first ever Ashburn uh, were completely on top. I, I would say dominated most positions on the field. And, you know, it, it was a, an easy enough victory for them in the end. I'd say our own Brian Brophy is enjoying the celebrations with them as well. A lot of work put into DCU as well. Whatever about their victory, before we just talk briefly about the match, I don't think anybody envisaged them winning this match by 12 points, 114 to 5 points. No, I'd imagine when we were went into the scenario that um, it was going to be a close run thing. Um, you know, we I was speaking to referee Ray Kelly before the game, and we were uh, commenting on the fact that it was his first Ashburn Cup final, and he said he was really looking forward to it. You know that um, the quality that was on show. You know, and you're talking about that it was you know, players sprinkled from all counties around Ireland, but that, you know, Dublin obviously had a major say in the in 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 the um in the in in the TUD and then obviously the, the, the scenario with UCD and DCU, you know, so like it was doing well for Dublin Camogie that uh, um, the scenario there was that they were involved heavily in that, in that way, you know, but um, look, it, 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 it saw a situation where, um, you know, that, you know, UCD just weren't at the pitch of it and that DCU obviously were able to, you know, get, um, put put themselves about. I just thought their game plan and everything, their ferocious tackling, especially of their forwards, um, was 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 key to the scenario in, in setting up themselves for victory. And, you know, there was a big breeze and wind came in off of um uh, the, the 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 I suppose the motorway direction of of of, of Carrigonour down down from the, 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 the campus there. Um and it just was uh, a factor and especially that you know the DCU were going in with a 9.3 lead at half time um, you know for DCU that was obviously huge because then UCD were facing uh, into the elements having to try and claw back a 6 point uh, uh, lead and you know Darren really they had to hit the ground running and the start the second half they probably needed goals even early doors and that didn't happen so you know they were facing it was a bit of a molehill as I said to Elaine on the commentary it was a molehill at half time it became very quickly a mountain at the start of the second half and you know it didn't get any easier then one player that came out for an awful lot of praise was Neve Dealey at centre back um, you know and she definitely didn't allow UCD uh, gain any form of momentum in regards to getting those crucial scores that they would have needed especially in the third quarter yeah she was you know, a bit of a wall there. Um, and, and what I can't understand, and, you know, myself and Elaine were alluding to it a bit at half time. We were talking off mic. We couldn't understand why uh, UCD left Neve Dealey in a situation where she was able to dictate the play rather than, you know, like Sheila McGrath and Leah Butler were, were two that were digging in for UCD and, 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 and taking the game on a bit that we thought that maybe take one of them out of the middle and maybe 
move Neve Dealy around a little bit, you know, make her make her, you know, shift from left to right on the on the half back line and maybe space it open up a little bit for UCD. But they proceeded like on occasion there the, the disconnect between their half forwards and their and their two players inside. Like, you know, they kind of left um Moira Barris and Claude McIntyre inside. They just couldn't get the ball into them. And that meant then that Neve Dealy was just mopping up and you know that half back line really drove the whole thing. Zoe Couch had a fantastic game. She really is a tigerish enough player you know she, her, her twin sisters were very similar in their performance for TUD and um, you know I, I also was very impressed by a young player that's uh, there she is obviously now in the Kilkenny Intermediate Panel Jane Cassa Dixpra she was tenacious in, in certain areas so that whole half back line really was the fulcrum for backing up what was going on in the forwards because um, you have to say rarely did we mention too much on the commentary the full back line and the goalkeeper for DCU and that'll just tell you the job that the half back line led by Neve Dealey was doing. You mentioned about the um, uh, attacking options that DCU had and many of them get involved in the scoreboard like we're looking there at Ava Linsky who I know from Galway, Kate Kenny, what a year she's had in 2022 yeah. and at 25 or 6 weeks old, Kira O'Connor um, leader by example and many more. Yeah, look, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, Steffi Fitzgerald, I suppose, made up for some element of uh, disappointment in the Fitzgerald household, obviously, with Tiffany losing out with NUIG. But uh, Steffi played a big part. She got DCU's first score and was involved in a lot of good play. But Abby Flynn was absolutely everywhere in that forward movement. She was just getting in on ball, making her own scores, making her own wins, tapped over a few place balls. But she also then was on the end of some good moves as well, was always available, always shown. And uh, I think that was, uh, you know, the the indicified by the the goal that she got. You know that she was just in the right place at the right time, was able to spot the pass from uh, Kira Oluni and uh, Abby Flynn. Obviously, came out with a, a big performance. Neve Dealy did come away with the player of the match, but Abby Flynn could have got it. And I think I come in for I give a lot of praise to Kira Oluni. She could have been in for the player of the match award as well because she was just phenomenal. Any ball that went in, she gave Sorsha a Ryan who you know Bill Milani maybe is looking at uh, a, a challenging for a place in the Tipperary Senior Camogie team this year of maybe and even nailing down an opportunity. She was giving her a torrid time all day out in front and just popped the pass every time. And I have to say, I was delighted that she got her own score in it. But when you look at the DCU set up, Darren, that you know, one of their midfielders and five of their listed six that uh, started um, got on the scoreboard, whereas uh, you know UCD had only one point from uh, Moira Barrett and then the rest came, Neve Comfort obviously uh, did start, but she was listed at 18. And then Amelia Shaw popped up with another two when she she came on. Um, it doesn't say a whole lot then for the rest of the, the, the team performance there. So DCU were just hit them from the off and once they got into a, a, a groove, Darren, it just never stopped. DCU would be considered the young college among the established ones in Dublin now. And of course, when I say young, it's old enough to have had me in DCU back in the day. Like, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> Are you saying you're young then, is it? <laughs> I like to think so in a way. But it was always considered like a sporting orientated college, or at least it developed that way over time too. So Camogie wise, this is a massive result for themselves and everybody that has put in the effort to get them to a first ever Ashburn Cup title. Yeah, there's no question about it. Look, and, and there's a lot talked about, I would imagine, that yeah, DCU can influence an awful lot of um, young people to come to their college and whatever, and they have a very good sports scholarship system there, and you know they would have put a lot of effort into the, the football end of things, both ladies' football and men's football, um, probably starting out, but definitely in the recent times, they've put a bit more focus on the hurling and camogie, and obviously, you know, there's a number of people, their names that would have been mentioned today on our commentary, I'm not going to kind of go into now, but they obviously, you know, their GA department deserve a lot of praise for what they've done. As I said, they're still able to go out there and influence a lot of young people to come in their direction. But, you know, I suppose that maybe is up to the others now to step up their game and and and, and, and maybe be able to compete with that or whatever. But look, for the moment, DCU, you know, you could be coming away out of um, Carriganour today and kind of saying, you know, these are a crew now that could dominate there for, you know, they could win two, three on the bounce. You know, they could rival what WIT and you well have done since two two oh eight when when obviously UCD won their last one. But you know, like it, it it is a very impressive performance today. We won't write anything about what they're going to do because I think they'll be allowed to enjoy this one. But uh, yeah, great credit to DCU and obviously their support of Camogie and what what it has done. And I just think as well, Darren, you know, the, the shot in the arm that that's going to give, you know, to to some of the clubs and the counties that are involved with uh, with those girls. You know, they're going back now with an all Ireland title in their pocket of um you know 
know, and it's probably only a step down from probably winning, um, you know, an All Ireland inter county title. It's probably, you know, uh, on a par in some ways, maybe with an All Ireland senior club title in a way. So, you know, it's a, it's a great achievement for some of those girls that they're now able to say, yeah, we won an Ashburn Cup. And I'm thinking of Catherine Cavanagh there from Mount Leinster Rangers and Carlo Kiro Looney from Westmead in particular, you know, and then obviously you do have Wexford Kilkenny Dublin represented as well. But, um, you know, it was, it was a fine effort from, from them all. And as I said, I, I'm not sure any of them lost their own individual battle. So, you know, that, that, that was a key factor. Key factor was and well done to everybody involved as well. And of course, great to have the Ashburn Cup back after so long being away. Killy, before I let you go, of course, it was two matches you were at. Uh, you mentioned Zoe Couch earlier on. A big day for her family, her twin sister Jody, part of the TU Dublin team that beat NUIG in the personal cup final, 12 points to eight. And I believe Gabby, another sister, was in that team as well. Yeah, sure. They're all all linked up there. Um, the couches, you know, a trying week for them themselves. And the Gannons had, uh, uh, were involved with, with TUD and also with uh, DCU as well. And they, they had uh, bereavements in their family earlier in the week. Uh, so, you know, a trying enough week in lots of ways, but uh, I would imagine a lot of happiness now within those respective households uh, this evening. But um, yeah, you know, special shout out for Jodie Couch, who um, <laughs> came up to me and said, I, I don't deserve this award. She says, it wasn't even one of my greatest games, you know. And uh, I said, well, I can take the award off you if you want. But uh, look, I don't think there was going to be any <laughs> I don't doubt. Think she was that generous. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think she was. She was holding on to it with dear life. But she, she had a phenomenal game, you know, was involved in everything, got stuck in and definitely took the game to NUIG but look I I, I I have to say a hand in my heart Darren I didn't think going down there today that the Purcell Cup was going to be the one that was the most competitive ultimately but that's what it turned out to be and credit to NUIG now they did have a lead at half time but it wasn't sufficient with the elements that was there it wasn't sufficient and, and uh, you know TU Dublin came out with um all guns blazing started the second half, you know, and just hit the bounce. And they got two points at the at the start of the second half, which, you know, all of a sudden overturned that deficit. And once they got the chink of light, they just drove for it. And, you know, it, it, it was a game that was ultimately... Uh, the teams performed in the first quarter of both halves. So NUIG really had their, their their golden period in the first 15 minutes of the first half, and uh, subsequently uh, TU Dublin had their golden period in the, in the in the second half of the first period, and that's where it was kind of their best times came. Now I do know obviously uh, TUD, and I, I think they just got visibly tired amid such a push in that quarter. Uh, they did start to tire, and uh, you felt that when NUIG started to move at them, they were they were starting to get some her with them they were winning a freeze and everything like that but unfortunately they just didn't take some of the opportunities one or two dropped short one or two went wide and I think the elements had had a factor to play in that so you know NUIG probably just didn't curb the the, the, the charge from uh, TU Dublin sufficiently enough in, in the opening quarter and then they just gave themselves too much to do but I just don't think they were going to be able to do it Darren they probably needed a goal and they didn't really threaten Rebecca Atkinson in, in the goal she did have a save after 20 minutes all right but and, and that was well batted away but after that she was rarely troubled and that obviously was a, a catalyst but Couch drove things on a, a very uh, strong mention as well for Neve Gannon had a huge start to the second half with two massive points as well. Um, Ashley Marr was always there driving things on. Roshi McCormick from Antrim, of course, chipped in with three points. Um, and Neve Keenan as well. Great to see a player representing Lara and Kevin uh, picking up, you know, a college's title as well. And uh, she, no disgrace at all there. And uh, to thinking that, you know, maybe that the level is Kevin uh, acting in comparison to some of her, her, her t- uh, club, you know, her teammates today who would obviously be operating at uh, a senior championship level. Uh, she she very you wouldn't know that she was at a different level uh, to any of those players out there today and uh, it's great to see someone like her being able to take away you know a top uh, third level title certainly was she was a big miss for Cavan today in the football as well and Eve, of course a dual star too but TU Dublin personal cup champions and a double for themselves too they won the Corny Willigan on Saturday too beating UL 9 points to 4 and UCC win the Fodermacher Cup beating UCT 1-9 to 1-8 but Killian before I let you go all the spoils go to DCU at the end of the day they are the Ashburn Cup champions great to have it back and we're looking forward already to see what next year brings yeah no question and uh, you know great shift out of uh, the, the championships down there it's been quick 
backfire, I suppose, in a lots of ways because of everything that uh, we know this pandemic has thrown at us in the last while. No competitions last year. So I think it's great for the CCAO that they were able to get the, those events up and running and great credit again to WIT for being able to host that event and, and uh, you know, uh, tricky enough conditions, uh, wintry enough, but look, the ground held up well and, and uh, great to have, as we said, those third level competitions back again because I think it just means so much for uh, the players there and, and, and what to do and great to see such a, a spread of counties and clubs involved but I think it means a hell of a lot to those who might be coming from the so-called weaker counties and uh, that they were able to you know go toe-to-toe with all those players from the stronger counties if you want to for want of a better term and uh, come away as we said with an All-Ireland title. I like listening to sports dads because he has famous celebrities and I guess listen to him. Darren Kelly. Welcome back here to the third half. I'm Darren Kelly, joined by Neve Kenzen. And Neve, we're finishing off talking about Division 1A. We'll get to the, the uh, live match in a moment. Uh, Mayo, 7.22, Westmead, one twelve. It just goes to show the difference between playing indoors and outdoors. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I suppose we, we talked over today and we, or sorry, on Sunday and on Saturday, you know, about the different elements we can have. And I mean, there's a, there's a real uh, summer day match. And if you, if you ever saw one, um, you know, and a massive return for, for um, Mayo when the game was out of sight at halftime, Darren, 4-11 to 1-5 up at halftime. It's a historic day because I know um, the men have had their pre-season competitions in the Dome as well, but I think this is the first league match that was taking place across any code as well. And um, it's brilliant to see. It looked like a good atmosphere in there. Uh, and But as you said, Mayo just took to it and were, were clear by halftime. Yeah, they did, they did look, and I think it, I think it's it's a three hundred supporters who can get into the match. I'm not sure if there's that many there, but yeah, definitely look. And I suppose the fact that it's in the dome, you know, even probably a small crowd we can maybe create an atmosphere. Um, but yeah, like I mean, Mayo, um, eleven different scores, and I mean, Maria Riley obviously scoring the being the, the top scorer and scoring the two goals. But yeah, it was I suppose a real rude awakening for Westmead, and you know, we talked that there could be the the team that could struggle in in Division One this year, and I mean, that's that's a, a rough start for them. It's a very rough start because going back to our conversation about Waterford earlier on, it's not as clear cut as this, but Westmead against Waterford looks like it's going to be the relegation final just based on those results. Yeah, just based on those results, definitely so. And you know, as I said again, you know, getting a, a real hammer on the on the first day out, it's very hard to lift yourself up um, after that. And you know, so I think is it Westmead are playing Galway next week, is it? No, I think Westmead are hosting Donegal. Sorry, yeah. Um, so again, you know, Donegal on the back of a, of a, of, you know, we talk about it in a minute, um, a win la, um, at the weekend. So, you know, it'll just be, uh, you know, another tough match for them. And, you know, you just feel a wee bit for Westmead at the moment because I suppose to be earmarking certain games and they might have thought that, um, you know, with the with the conditions maybe and the fact that it was indoor, they might have um, run it a little bit better. Mayo won't get carried away with this, but like great spread of scores. You mentioned Maria Riley there too. Shauna Howley, Sinead Cafferkey, Sinead Walsh, Laura Moran and Ava Keane all on the scoreboard. As disappointing as Westmead were, Mayo need a big year too. His second year of Michael Moyles is great and he'll be happy the professional attitude of his players to get the job done. Yeah, he will. He'll be very happy. And again, another one of these um, these managers that used 10 subs during the match and again, used them all. You know, the game was, as we said, was out of sight at halftime and used them all very early in the second half. So, um, yeah, and, had, you know, as I said, 11 different scores. And, you know, Westmead, we, you know, top scorer in Anna Jones and she's taken on her, um, you know, her scoring exploits from last year into, into this year. And um, and Kira Blundell, had, you know, I suppose the, uh, the, 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 the standout players for Westmead. But yeah, you know, Mayo will have, you know, have a, I suppose have a game against Galway, a local derby next week, and they'll um, look to sort of continue their their run. Jume Stadium as well, it'll be a battle. We'll talk about that during the week. Let's go to the live match in TG Carr, Donegal against Galway. I was there in, in Bally Buffet, and I suppose the best way to describe this, Neve, is that both teams probably got out of this what they wanted. Donegal are trying to work on their pattern and, and, and stop conceding silly mistakes, which have cost them so much in the past. Well, Galway just want to put all questions and thoughts of a turbulent, uh, was the way Maxi Kern described it in post-match interview, turbulent period behind them and start moving forward. Yeah, that's probably it, Darren. Yeah, um, you know, I suppose most Galway supporters would have been you know, obviously disappointed with the result, but would have been, you know, happy enough, I suppose, that the team 
you know, lined out and, it, it, you know, it went, I suppose it went ahead first and foremost. And I know there's maybe never any doubt, but, you know, that they had a team and they had players and, you know, the players that, that started and can make the game all put in big efforts. And, you know, that's what you want. And yet with the, with the inter-management that's in um, Manus and, and Fiona, they want, you know, they wanted to see that. And I'm sure they learned a lot from the, from the first match out. Although the, the results were on the wrong side of the result, they would have learned a lot. Go, we were told at the start you'd lose to Donegal by three points, missing all your current burn contingent. And I couldn't help but notice no sign of Tracy or Roshi Leonard from Corrafin either, and uh, one or two others as well. But especially in the first half, Galway had a mountain of chances. A sitter of a goal opportunity from Ray Choga just sliced it to the right and wide. Few other careless misses for Galway as well. And the way they came back into the second half, they'll probably feel, Jimmy, we should have done much better and got something out of this. Yeah, there really was, Darren. And I mean, you, you mentioned, um, you know, Maurice Joe is missed. And I mean, that was at a vital stage just before the water break, I think. And, you know, um, the game, I think it was maybe, you know, it was quite low scoring until at that stage. It was not just... 3-1 at the time. And, yeah. And, um, you know, a, a really, that was a, a really great opportunity. And she just sliced it wide. Um, and a few frees missed by Maurice Joe as well. And, you know, at different stages. And, you know, you would feel you know, it was 6-2 at half time, but you would have felt that Galway could have been closer, definitely closer at half time. That being said, it was probably the only clear good goal chance that Galway got. Donegal working hard on defence this year, like you know, myself personally have stated them before, and we have collectively um, uh, criticised the poor defensive performances from them. And Maxi touched on that in the post-match interviews. He knew players in there, Nee Boyle coming back to the defence, Shona McFadden, Fina McMenamin making their debuts, Tara Hegarty as well, trying to break into the team. They were good at being composed and holding on to the ball and going back to the point it was making there to run. If that's what they were trying to take out with this contest, they'll consider that a plus job done as well. Um, because if Donegal are going to do anything or if they've learned anything from me, just that they have to be able to hold on to the ball and defend properly before trying to get the, their potentially lightning attack into the game. Yeah, that's it, Darren. And I mean, that's, you know, it is, you've said it there exactly that, you know, they have to work on the fence. And, you know, I, I probably noticed something, um, Roshi McCaffrey, I thought she was a little bit Rory Began-esque at times. She came away yeah. to feel very confident on the ball. And this was our next, our next aim is to emulate Rory and maybe get a, a point. But, you know, at times, you know, I personally speaking as, as you know, watching a game I, and I see my, my goalkeeper doing that, I would be a little bit concerned. And at one stage, there was a bit of a slight mistake. And, you know, um, it, it, it's something, it could have broken down and she was out around the 45. But, yeah, I mean, I suppose they're trying to use, um, as you said, trying to hold a bit more possession and be a bit more, um, you know, support, like hold it and, and give it at the right times. And um, they certainly did that. But again, we're back to the same, I, you know, as you said, Defensively wise, it definitely was better. But forward wise, you know, we mentioned it during the week that they're still very reliant on Geraldine McLaughlin and she scored seven out of ten points, five from Prees. And, you know, again, that's something that they're going to really have to look with and get, you know, getting more forwards and getting more scores. But you could see what Donegal were trying to do, though. They were trying to attack the inner channel. I guess it's like Nicole McLaughlin sent a few good balls in there as well. They were trying to apply pressure and go. And maybe the goalie defenders were just much better than we expected. Like, they worked, they worked their socks off as well, like Emily Gavin did well at full-back too. But Karen Guthrie had a few chances, mightn't have been as proficient on the scoreboard, but you know she did hit the post in the second half as well. Geraldine did what Geraldine done. She won freeze as well. She put them over. A um, couple of goal opportunities. One of the points she got from playing the first half, I thought she should have gone for goal, but she took the point. It wasn't a very good penalty from Geraldine McLaughlin though. No, it wasn't. And I suppose it's a funny one. Like if it had gone in, you'd be saying, oh, that's a great penalty because it was right into the corner. But in fairness to Lana Griffin, you know, she did really well to get a hand. I don't think it was like, a whole pile of power in it. You're correct. But, you know, it, if it had gone in, that you'd be saying, God, that's, you know, she just knew exactly what she was at, tucking it into the corner. But yeah, and that's, you know, that was a, some of the mistakes. I think they kicked um, maybe five, six wides over the course of the game, um, a couple of the keeper's hands, you know. So there's little things that Donegal definitely can, can, um, you know, definitely can work on. But probably, again, flip it back to Galway, you know, Galway, as, as much as Donegal's defence was quite good, um, Galway were, like, were a bit naive when, in the way they attacked. They sometimes just kicked the ball into a sea of Donegal players and you know, give away a possession and coughed off possession quite easily. So, you know, that would be something that Galway will have to be a bit more. And I suppose, you know, when you have a young team and maybe lacking a wee bit of confidence, um, you will do that because you're a wee bit of nerves. So you could see that. But that's something that maybe will come in time for Galway. 
Well, that's the scene. Like you're you're missing the Wards, you're missing the Leonards. Um, I don't know their their deal at the moment. Uh, Kate Slevin did very very well. Definitely looked the part anyway. And I was surprised she wasn't in the starting team originally, but she was there too. And a few others. She just underperformed on the day. We noticed much more out of them. Yeah, definitely. And you know, yeah, you're right. Kate Slevin's really impressed by her. Scored four points three from play. So. Yeah, you know, there's definitely, and I mean, the Dibbleys, we didn't even get mentioned in them and the, the Noons as well. So there's really um, a lot of players that you can build a really good team out of, out of um, with the help of some of the players. And I mean, um, I thought you, you mentioned Alvar Daver, and I thought she had a good game too. You know, Marie Chog was taken off to, um, at the end. I thought, you know, by her standards, she was, um, you know, her scoring just, you know, she didn't have the shooting boots on her and things just didn't seem to get water. And maybe, maybe you know, given the captaincy role and stuff, maybe she felt more pressure on her and it, it just didn't work out for her. Um, so yeah, but again, it's it's things to work for Galway. But you know they're obviously meeting the the local rivals um, next week, and um, them on the back of a big win, they're going to be under a bit of more pressure next week. Mayo, of course, the sight of a Mayo jersey coming to Tume Stadium is going to motivate any Galway person anyway. No doubt they'll be they'll be up for it. Um, look for Galway, it's a must-win game against Mayo because you know they lose it, they're out of it as well. Is there any of these new players that you know, or even any of the established names, um, that can have a chance of having a serious part in Galway season? Yeah, well, I mean, we you know definitely Kate Slevin is someone that I'm really really impressed with, and she's very smart and um, you know she took her scores really well. She's a fine. Sh- um, left foot and she really, really did well. Um I thought Eve for work did well. Um, you know, it was popping up for at different free at different stages too. And Leanne Cohen, I suppose, is, is a player we've have seen before. But there's definitely, you know, as I said, it's it's not all doom and gloom for Galway. Um definitely you suppose after what they've gone through in the last week or ten days or two weeks or whatever length it's going on, um it, it's fair play to, to Manis and Fiona Wynn that's got, got things settled down and got them, you know, got them the Bible fee and got them put in put in a performance albeit not a win but a performance and I think they'll take a wee bit of um, yeah, a wee bit of confidence out of that Donegal 2022 we talked about the defensively we're impressed um, look they're not going to be troubling anybody based on Saturday night's performance they know that themselves I think they're just trying to lay down foundations for the steps going ahead but um, are you impressed what you saw in regards to what they're trying to do yeah, you can definitely see what they're trying to do. Um, you know, and it is it is something. I, I just think, I think, and I, I, like I mean, Donegal men were famously the first team to go ultra defensive. I think if Donegal go ultra defensive, when you've uh, you know, and players up front, um, in the in the in the caliber of Jerry McLaughlin and, and Karen Guthrie and players like that, you know, you need to let the ball in a wee bit quicker. So I personally, I'm not a fan of holding on to the ball, holding on possession too long. I think it gives other teams time to filter back. Um, but if they can get that sort of um, compromise of being defensive, you know, and getting the ball, still moving the ball forward and, and, and at a bit of speed and getting the ball in. Because you could see at times when, you know, you felt that that, that the glimpses of that kind of telepathy that Karen Guthrie and, and Jerry McLaughlin have with each other, if they can get ball in at times, they can destroy teams. And we've seen it in the past, Aaron, in, at different levels. We've seen Karen Guthrie light up the lights in, in against Dublin a league match back a couple of years ago. So, you know, you want to see glimpses of that. You know, Katie Heron didn't start, come on, scored a pint. And, as I, you know, I've such time, such great, great and Katie Heron so high. I think she's a really fabulous player and has so much all-round round player. And if you can get, you know, sort of up to the level, and I don't know if she's injured or whatever's going on, but, you know, get her up and, and back into um, a place, there'll certainly be a team to look at. Yeah, because Donegal did make seven changes and again, they were able to bring on Amy Boyle, Cara and Katie Hearn who got that point as well. That was the rebound, I think, after Karen Guthrie hit the post. Maxie will be looking to find two or three players in this league and at the risk of repeating ourselves, he's probably looking to find those two or three defenders. He certainly thinks four defenders did a good first audition. Obviously, he'll be needing that. No disrespect to Westmead, but he'll be needing that again when they play Mayo in March for what you saw of those four players that we've mentioned is he on the right track yeah he definitely is um, Darren and I mean you know it's something you know you can see as we said you can see what he's doing and I suppose um, Maxi you know he's been there a long, a long number of years now with, with Donegal and you know he was obviously out for a time in the middle and you know he I suppose it, it's it, I'm not saying there's extra pressure on him but there's definitely a certain amount of pressure on him to try and change it up a bit. You know, he suppose he's gone one way for so many years and it just hasn't worked out. They haven't got the results and they haven't got the um, the silverware to prove that or to show what the, what he's achieved with them. So they need to do something a wee bit different and, you know, as you said, get these, you know, these four or five players that we saw last night 
glimpses of and get them, you know, dotted around. And, um, you know, I suppose a big, big person that we didn't see last night, Neve Hergerty, you know, big loss. I don't know what's her plans. Is she coming back? Because she's certainly a player can, you know, is, is a really big player for Donegal. And I'm not sure what her plans are. But, you know, there is, um, there is certainly players we saw last night and with more to come back in, um, you can see where, he, where he's going and I suppose he can learn a lot from the next two games. It was an intriguing game of football which got out between two teams trying to establish themselves for 2022 as much as played the match and Donegal gets a spoil. So opening weekend in Division 1, Donegal, Mayo, Mead and Dublin. It's a possibility those four players could, could guarantee their semi-final spots or four teams, I should say, could guarantee their semi-final spots next week. Yeah, they could, yeah. And I suppose... Probably hand on heart, if we if we looked at it, they were probably the four teams you'd be, you would have said maybe before even the first weekend's games. So yeah, the really, um, even though you predicted Cork, Neve. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I I I hold my hand up for that one, Darren. I said I am doing the same as seven. I know you can't see me, but I'm doing the same. Uh, yeah. I am. Um, uh, we still didn't give, didn't still give me that fifty cent from the last game. The one time I was <laughs> and you saw me today, and you never mentioned this. I got the right once, and I, I'm going to keep going on about it because um, I get it wrong so so often. But yeah, um, but yeah, I suppose it, like the, those four six teams that we're looking at, throw a six team into it. But yeah, it you know it, it is the teams we'll be looking at, and. Um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely know a lot more next week and, and where things are at. And it's probably that's probably the downside of the four group because you know, next weekend we'll just knock out the rest, you know, whatever results come next weekend potentially. And there's certain teams, as you said, is, is out of the running then. And the, the last game, it could be just a rubber. We're looking forward to it all. We'll be back on Wednesday to preview round two of the a Little National Football League. Our featured match will be that game in Crow Park, Dublin against Cork on Saturday night. It's always an occasion when Dublin and Cork come together, especially when it is in headquarters. But that's it. All 32 teams in the National League are up and running. Some amazing results, some big performances, some intriguing ties and more to look ahead to next week. We hope you enjoyed the third half. Again, thanks to Killian Whelan for joining us earlier on to talk about the Ashburn and Purcell Cup finals and congratulations to DC, uh, DCU on winning third level college Camogie's biggest prize that's all for the show I'm Darren Kelly this was the third half I'd like to thank my partner in crime one more time Dave Kedlin thank you Darren <laughs>